Welcome to the Hex Night Podcast. I am David. I am Ivan. And tonight we have a uh, bit of a Dave-ception, because uh, we have a uh, guest on the podcast who is also Dave, but a different kind of Dave. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, I'm David Moffat from Axe Annex Tabletop Gaming. I'm here to talk about painting. Yeah. And uh, just because it has been clarified to me, this is not related to the Moffat that made Doctor Who bad, so... Uh, <laughs> Please don't send us angry messages about that. We're also <laughs> mad at that guy, but we're not having his family on. So right, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know. So usually we are pretty deep in the uh, the RPG side of things, but you know, role players also like little toy soldiers and uh, little dudes that look like they're uh, they're adventurers. So um, we've wanted to have a guest on for a while um, to sort of you know, it's kind of a milestone, right? Nice to break things up. I get tired of hearing myself talk and talk and talk. So yeah, I have again, a, I have I'm a huge... thumbs, man. Like painting <laughs> is terrible for me. So having someone come on that can, that can kind of uh, educate me on that uh, process is pretty awesome. Yeah, you know. Um, so why don't you um, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got started painting and uh, like when someone from relative to your life and you know how you kind of like got into the because it's it basically is like its own hobby right like plenty of people paint even if they don't game and vice versa so where did it all start it all started in whitehorse yukon in the year of our lord 1998 <laughs> my uh friends quad jobs were buying into this uh new thing i'd never heard of called warhammer and they said, this game is awesome, but you need to peel all the, paint all your minis, and uh, if you help us, we'll buy you an army. Because they also which, wanted people to play with. So I said, sure, yeah. Which was I always wanted to paint minis, sorry? Uh, an army was a lot less dudes in those days. Oh yeah, it was much more achievable. That was 4th, 5th edition, Warhammer Fantasy Battle. Mm. So. Even then, that was still pretty dang pricey. You'd like to, to have, have someone... Just to kind of buy you in if you'd help them kind of visually take care of their characters. That That's pretty rad. Pretty good deal. <laughs> yeah, I thought so. Especially when they saw how much they actually cost. Even back then. <laughs> right? Yeah, it was still expensive. It was just not like uh, eye-wateringly expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so what was... Uh, do you remember the first thing you painted? Not quite. I think it was a dwarf. <laughs> They went through a lot of armies. Like some mm. people seem to cycle through armies for some reason, and uh, they went through a lot. Well, one friend he stuck with wood elves the whole time, but the one friend I'd lived with, he uh, he went dwarves, lizardmen, Bretonians. Like it was almost all the armies you could think of. I stuck with undead. Nice, nice. It's undead man. So when you're first sitting down with like the, the set sets of miniatures at the table, like. How would you lay out the table, or how did you start out, and what were the stumbling blocks, I guess, to overcome when you were like trying to work through all these minis? Because it seems kind of like there there should be a process to do that efficiently. Otherwise, you just end up with a mess, right? Absolutely, yeah. You definitely need a plan. I just went along with their plan at the time. So they would buy all the paints. They bought all the brushes. We, uh, I guess I supplied the table. 
because they were over at my house. And yeah, they said, this is what we need painted. And you got to paint these two. They would prime them, they'd build them. And I just uh, yeah, started slapping paint on. <laughs> Nowadays, of course, I have to do everything myself. I don't have friends just to buy me everything. <laughs> so what's kind of your, uh, for listeners who literally have no idea, like why don't you give us like a kind of blow by blow, like, you know, from unpainted miniature to something that's usable. You have to first decide what kind of miniature you want to buy, which could be the hardest part. You uh, you got a lot of options. If you're mm -hmm. a D&D &D player, you might want to just stick with WizKids because they are pre-primed, which is very handy. Priming in itself can be a hurdle to many folks. So let's say you start with a, a WizKids miniature. You got a pre-primed pre model. You have to decide what kind of paint you're going to get for this miniature. Usually, I'd say your best bet these days would probably be buy a paint set, whatever is easiest to buy locally to you, if you can. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't really matter if it's Army Painter, Citadel, Vejo, just something that comes with brushes and comes with paints, because you got to get started somewhere. And those usually get you the best, uh, best paint range for your buck anyway. So you'll have your miniature, you'll have your paints, you'll have your brushes with that kit. Then you got to figure out where you're going to paint, how are you going to do your setup? The biggest thing often is lighting. If you can't really see what you're painting, you just can't paint it very well. Right. <laughs> so that's a big hurdle for a lot of people. You might think you have enough light. And a good way to tell if you actually do or not is just take a regular like, photograph of the miniature in your area and just to see how dark it is because your mind compensates a lot. Mm -hmm. But you'll also miss a lot of the details because... Once you're intimate with the miniature you're painting, you won't really know what you're missing out on. So you got to try to figure out what kind of lighting you're going to do. Lighting this day, these days is a lot easier because you have a lot of LED lighting options. Mm -hmm. Do you so have you a strong view like, on um, like uh, artificial versus natural light, or does that make no difference? Natural light is the best if you can do it, but it's also inconsistent. So if you mm -hmm. want something that's nice and consistent, you want to hit kind of like a daylight ranged LED bulb. They don't produce a lot of heat, but they uh, do produce a lot of light. Mm. Just kind of get as high a wattage as you can uh, grab and put them in some sort of pot light so that you can just have it hanging over your painting area. And if you can eliminate all shadows, then you're doing a pretty good job. Yeah, I just ran into that the other night because I have just like a little very flexible like desk lamp and I like you can bend it down so it illuminates like a specific area but then you get like crazy shadows on the other side you have to kind of like turn keep turning things around to like see them clearly it's not really like very practical yeah and so it's tough that way but if you play around with it you should be able to sort something out so let's see now you'll have your miniature you'll have your paints you'll have your brushes you'll have your lighting now you just got to figure out how you're going to actually apply the paint to your miniature you're going to want to try to find some sort of palette. If you look online, you'll see a lot of videos on how to make a wet palette out of uh, baking parchment, usually some sponge or paper towel in a little container. Mm -hmm. But if you can't or don't want to go that route, you can always just grab a piece of plastic and just uh, add your paint to the palette. Or if you have a like a Citadel paint, you can paint directly out of the pot. The downside of painting directly out of the pot versus painting on a palette is that you won't be able to thin out your paints as nicely. Which is another uh, challenge. 
Right, because you're going to end up with, like, gloops of uh... paint, absolutely. Yeah, paint so your paint? you're, like, thinning out to paint the paint to try to get a specific consistency? Yeah, it's really an art in itself. Like, when I first started painting, I didn't even know you were supposed to thin your paints, so... You like say you take like those thick, unthinned Citadel miniature paints, and you apply them directly to your miniature. You could get a pretty good result overall. You'll cover up a lot of details, and you'll especially cover up all the mold lines. You won't really see the mold lines anymore, but you know you can't really achieve above tabletop standard unless you start thinning your paints. Mm-hmm. Thinning your paints is kind of hard because you don't necessarily know how thin you're supposed to go. You thin too far, and you basically end up like a wash. You'll put the paint to your miniature, and it'll just run into all the details. And Probably places you don't want it to go. So, right. it's one of those things where you kind of got to find some outside help. You may want to start looking at YouTube videos. You might want to join a painting group, maybe at your LGS, or even join a uh, a group, maybe on Discord or Facebook, and just start talking with people about how to thin your paints because it's definitely a learning curve there. Mm. Also, different brands of paint seem to have different like uh, levels of thickness. So um, sometimes, like what will thin a specific brand may not work the same for uh, you know. If you're working with miniature paints, usually they're water-based acrylics. So, mm. at the very least, you can thin with water, but you'll find different results in terms of thinning and difference. Ranges, of course. Mm-hmm. Some paints come a little thinner than others, so you won't go too far with them. Right. So, what uh, brand would you recommend if you had like all the options available to you? Honestly, I'd say whatever you can get locally is the brand to go with. Gotcha. Because... So, something that's going to be always available that you can just get used to. Yeah, and other people are also using it, so you have some people to talk to. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. It's also it's probably worth noting too that most brands are quite interchangeable. Yeah. yeah, you're not stuck using one brand, but starting with a brand that you can get access to easily and locally is probably the best way to go. If something is weird about your paint, you can at least take it back to the place you bought it from. The owner can look at it and be like, "Oh no, this paint's like gone. You bought a pot of Citadel paint and turned it out dried out, so it's just no good anymore." <laughs> Before you ever opened it. Right. 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 So how much, because uh, nowadays there is um, a ton of different, like, strange paints. There is inks and washes and textures and contrasts and all those different stuff. If I am just starting out with my first D&D guys and I just want to get them to look okay, how much, like, special stuff do I need? Do I need to even start worrying about that when I'm starting out? Washes are really handy. If you're starting with, like, a regular kind of miniatures paint, you could definitely lay down a base coat and then you look at it and it looks kind of ugly. Then you take one of those washes and apply it to the miniature and all of a sudden it looks like magic. Like you just painted the miniature way better than you actually did. <laughs> Wash it will go right down into the crevices and it'll tint the surface. So it kind of ties all the colors together mm-hmm. and it brings out a lot of the detail that you wouldn't see otherwise. So you would say if even if you're starting out, like consider picking up at least a, one wash or two? Yeah, if the, the set you get doesn't have a wash already, then definitely consider getting it. If you want a route like contrast, they basically are a base coat and a wash all in one. And also a really good indicator of how thin you might want your paints. 
Let's mm. say you started out with contrast, you'd have a really good idea of how much you should thin your paints. And also you'd see because the contrast has a good flow to it. So it creeps into the uh, crevices and stains the surface, but it's uh, formulated a specific way to create more of a pleasing tone than just a straight up wash. Mm -hmm. So how many uh, different colors would you recommend uh, putting together in like a starting palette? It depends on what you're painting. Mm -hmm. Well, so for yeah. just like so. an average like player character model, I guess. Yeah. It's usually easier to get all the primary colors and secondary colors of some sort, black and white, and a couple of metallics like a silver and gold. Sure. That'd probably be the absolute base you'd want to go. And then as you paint, you might find you need to mix the colors together. Or you might want to try to find a specific color that you can't quite create yourself or the paints that you try to mix together don't play nicely and they kind of end up being great. Because sometimes mm -hmm. the paints will have a lot of white or black in them. So as you mix them, sometimes the color doesn't go quite as much as, uh, as you'd hope because they're not usually a pure pigment. Right. Mm -hmm. Also, especially for uh, historical stuff, a lot of times uh, finding a paint that matches like a uniform color or like a like tank color uh, right out of the pot is a lot easier than having to uh, to mix it each time. If you're stuck though, and you need to make an olive drab, take some yellow and some black and mix them together. Huh. Nice. Fair enough. It's kind of magic. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So um, if you were s starting out, like how many pots would you, you know, like I just picked up some army painter uh, sets, which I think had 10 colors in them for like, 35 bucks, something like that. Um, how much of an investment would you say is like a good starting point? You know, bearing in mind these things tend to last a long time. Like how many pots would you want to aim for in the beginning? Yeah, or, like if you're kind of starting out, like you want to be able to paint like a little bit of different stuff before you get stuck, uh, but you don't want to burn like, you know, thousands of dollars. Yeah. Probably depends on what you can find, honestly. Yeah, like a 10-pot set is probably pretty decent. It probably has some washes in it. You have maybe a metallic or two. So Yeah, let's see. The yeah. one I just picked up had, looks like eight colors, two metallics, and then one washer sh uh, shade. Okay. Yeah, that should be able to get a lot of work done, just with uh, those basic colors. And then as you're painting, you really have to assess if you find yourself really needing a color that you cannot mix or... You don't wish to mix because sometimes maintaining consistency can be difficult as well. Sure. Then, yeah, just uh, start shopping around. Because if you start painting a wide variety of miniatures, you're just going to end up getting more and more paints. <laughs> right. If you're only painting one army, you could kind of plot out your colors a little easier, I would say. Right, right, right. Good idea to try to figure out what colors you might want for your army. Mm -hmm. Say you want to, like, you decided I'm going to play Blood Angels for Space Marines. Mm -hmm. so start watching uh, painting videos on painting Blood Angels and see what colors they use. And then try to start narrowing it down to the basics. So you always see, like, this certain red, you always see this certain primer, you always see this certain accent color. Mm -hmm. and then you get a good idea of what you should be starting out with. But if you're painting, like, a wide variety of miniatures, you just kind of pick up a lot of different paints. Yeah, so you're 
your specific interest will uh, will end up informing it quite a lot, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, in your case, you paint kind of everything. I sure do. <laughs> so, how big is your uh, your paint collection? Just at a like a casual estimate. It's a uh, it's in a box that's kind of bigger than a crate. <laughs> so it's a good chunk of stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's like a lot of bit of the paints. I kind of keep them separated in manufacturers, so I can find them a little easier. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So. You definitely don't need that many. You just <laughs> you end up kind of buying them. So yeah, you know, just to check something <laughs> out. Or um, a lot of times, if I'm in a gaming store and I don't see any book or board game I want, I'll try to either grab like a thing of paint or like grab a thing of dice. Just to you know, like, I always feel bad like walking out with nothing, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. <laughs> and I definitely don't need more dice. So, uh... Dice and paint. <laughs> well, you know, you don't want to, yeah, you know, you want to keep your local gaming store uh, in circulation. And they always have that stuff like at the somewhere readily available. So it's easy to scrap. Mm -hmm. What's the, um, when you're kind of getting set up, uh, uh, if you could like go back and give yourself a piece of advice from when you were starting out uh, in just like tools and setup and things like that, like what's something you wish you had kind of known or had really to Yeah, I really wish I'd known about uh, how terrible Citadel paint pots were. <laughs> so you didn't end up throwing out. I just threw out like uh, 15 pots of them so I can sympathize. Because yeah. <laughs> it's just dried out. Hmm. And I also wish I knew about wet palette because to me that's one of the most essential tools. Especially uh, so you wanna, so you wanna give like a brief breakdown of what a wet palette is. So wet palette is a container with something to retain moisture, like a if you make a homemade one, you could use a paper towel. If you buy one, usually they'll come with a sponge. And then on mm -hmm. top we'll have a semi-permeable piece of parchment, usually. So they might have a specific artist's parchment in one you buy from a store. If you make one at home, then you use parchment paper. And what that allows the paint to do is draw moisture from the water without becoming oversaturated. And the value of that is that it keeps your paints wet, which means that you can keep working with them longer. Because as the paint dries, they become harder to work with. So if you use just a regular plastic palette, mm -hmm. you'll find as you're painting, you can watch your paint dry, unless you live in a particularly humid area. <laughs> right. Like you can literally just watch it as you're painting the miniature, you'll see the edges start shrinking up and you'll end up with a little pool in the middle and the paint will thicken. So you start yeah. blurring your details and yeah, it just doesn't flow as nicely. You start getting crumbs in your paint job mm -hmm. from dry paint. So this is one of those things where like a really small detail can actually end up like uh, making a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. Got it. So let's yeah, that's that'd be the like the one most essential thing I would say anyone should start out with would be learning how to make your own wet palette or buying one. Mm -hmm. Now, um, a lot of times people will kind of have debates about like uh, craft store paints versus miniaturist paints and whether there's a difference and so on. What's your uh, kind of take on that? Like, if I got my starter set and I see the craft store has a bunch of acrylics as well, uh, should I go grab some of those or? I think so. They're very handy, craft acrylics, or a lot of secondary stuff. You can use them to paint a miniature, no problem, definitely. Mm -hmm. But when you thin out the paints, you'll find the pigments will be stretched farther. You'll often want to use a medium to 
keep the uh, the bond stronger. I have heard reports of people who painted with craft paints and they just thinned it down with water. Over time, the uh, the miniature actually developed cracks in the paint. Oh, wild! Hmm. I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I took that as you know page advice, and I did pick up some pledge floor polish and thin it down with water to use as a medium, hmm. which uh, keeps the pigments bound and a nice glossy coat over top. So nice. it doesn't shrink up too much. But the other thing seems to be that um, craft store paints, uh, you tend to have less selection in colors. Um, it's more like primary colors. Yeah, you could get a nice assortment of colors, but uh, you know, if you want to paint tanks and stuff, you might not find the right ones. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not gonna have the like two hundred shades of gray that like will. Yeah, yeah. Dunkel Gelb probably isn't gonna be there. <laughs> yeah, right, like, be, uh... well, like Grandma does isn't doing camouflage on her on her new clock <laughs> or, like table. Come on. I know. <laughs> Actually, surprisingly, um, the spray um, spray paints they carry in a lot of um, like craft stores and uh, even at some grocery chains like uh, work really well for miniatures. Um, and they're usually a little bit cheaper. Uh, they're like for spraying like furniture and stuff, uh, but they don't tend to like clog up details or anything. Oh. Depending on which ones you get, some are very, very good. You could use any of them, even the ones that fill in detail. Mm -hmm. Sparingly, you could use those, no problem. It's just, yeah. it is an art in itself too, learning how to spray prime. Hmm. I was yeah, terrified yeah. doing it. Uh, it always work, works out okay, but I was like worried. It's like you know. Um. Well, I would imagine that's the sort of thing where if you get too concentrated, especially in one spot, then you've just got that blob. Or like yeah, it just turns out like, it... <laughs> it's like filling yeah. in the detail and the gaps. Yeah, yeah. The wind picks up and it just blows the paint right into the face of the miniature and. Right, or you realize that none of the paint went on the miniatures, and now your pants are a very nice, like camouflage color. <laughs> so, um, what would you say um, is the distinction between painting sort of for presentation to make something like look really nice versus just painting it to like table quality? Like, if I'm just trying to get like a squad of 10 guys that I can put on the table like tomorrow, uh, what what kind of steps or techniques might I skip that I would otherwise do if I'm trying to like, you know, do like a really nice job? I don't know if I can qualify myself as having done the best job ever on a miniature. I am more of a army painter for sure, which means I don't necessarily do all the steps that a play painter might do. Mm. I'm not really big into glazing or building up tones through multiple layers of thin paint. Mm -hmm. I am a, a more paint for effect kind of guy. Sure. But it really is the amount of time you put into the miniature, which makes the difference between a display and an army painter, no matter what skill level you are. Because when you're painting an army, you're thinking about the quickest results you can do to make it look good. And when you're painting a display, you're thinking about you know, what areas can I bring out the most focus in, but also bring up the rest of the model. You're thinking about what kind of basing am I going to do? You're thinking about the overall presentation, the story of the miniature. Well, when you're painting for an army, you're mostly thinking of how I'm going to get this 
all these miniatures to tie themselves together, so you're often using the same colors. Right. Mm. You limit yourself to a like a limited palette is especially good for army painting versus display painting where you're probably going to want to bring in a mother color as well as other. So pick out like a small range of, you know, like um, uniforms, boots, weapon, skin, sort of. Yeah, you're thinking, I think especially nothing too terribly dark so mm. that you can make more use of your washes to darken things down. And then you're thinking about, you know, basically the head and the uh, shoulders kind of area to really make a miniature pop and often the weapons. So mm. sword, shield, say, and helmet, you could really concentrate on if you have a bunch of rank and flank guys. The, uh, you don't really have to put a lot of work into the boots or the pants, the shirts, unless they have like a specific crest that you really want to stand out. Right, right. And with the display model, you're thinking about like every single little detail. You're thinking about the laces on the boots. You know, you're gonna add <laughs> more accentuation to those. With right, army right. painting, you're gonna paint them brown and then add a wash. And that'll probably be good enough. Maybe you'll highlight a little bit afterwards. Sure. So you'll see most of your highlights for yeah, the head, the shoulders, any other point that you really want to bring attention to. So then with army painting, about how much time would you spend on each miniature? If you can do half an hour per mini, you're doing pretty good. Mm -hmm. But those kind of things are going to take time. There's a lot of expectations you might have when you begin painting, but you shouldn't really adhere to them because in the end, you're just going to have to spend a lot of time learning. Right. And a lot of people can become disheartened by because their skill level is low. They don't really know how to work their brush. They don't really know how to thin their paints. Mm. They don't necessarily know how to tie colors together. Some people are colorblind. That's another hurdle in itself. Right. Definitely difficult. So they're going to have to study other people's paint jobs if they want to replicate a certain look. Well, and I also think, um, I think it's one of those cases where it kind of works both ways. Um, where if you kind of screw it up, like you paint up some guys and it just looks terrible, um, it ends up being really discouraging because you look at what other people have painted without realizing that the person you're watching have done it for like, you know, 200 hours. Yeah. Um, <laughs> versus if you paint something up and it looks okay, it's a real motivator. It's like, oh, okay, I can totally do that. I always imagine it's kind of like... Um, since, you know, uh, Dave, you have played music for like a thousand years. You know, it's kind of like <laughs> learn to play guitar or something. Like if you can noodle out like a cool riff, like, oh shit, like I did this. That was cool, right? Well, yeah, yeah. So then if you botch a mini pretty bad is, I, I don't know, like I said, like I couldn't, uh, it's not that I don't have the patience, it's that my hands shake a little bit. So like painting miniatures is cool, but I, it's just you get me like going into like I don't know get get like the shoelace. It would just be like a splotch on the boot. I'd be like, well, mm. that that's <laughs> that's game over. Uh, so <laughs> then, like, if you make a mistake like that, or do you just wipe it off with a rag? Do you have like paint remover that you use, or like how many times are you willing to try to remove paint or go over it again? If you manage to start off with a thin paint then you can just paint over it. It's not going to matter too much. Mm. If you're starting off with a thick paint, then you're starting to obscure details. So then you're starting to feel discouraged. Sure. If you go too far, though, then there's a, definitely solutions. Basically, anything you've painted, 
you could just throw the isopropyl alcohol and it'll just strip it. It's gone. Sure. It's a magic erase. You throw it in there, you can take it out, scrub with a paintbrush or a, or a toothbrush, and that's it. You can start all over again. Nice. Those are the paint strippers you can use too, but like isopropyl alcohol is just quick and easy. So. Mm. I think that's also where some things like washes really come in handy because um, I don't have much talent for painting small detail, but um, you know, like even if you just paint like a base like flesh color on the face and then like put a wash over it, it's gonna end up looking. I think you mentioned earlier, like it's kind of magic. Like it'll pick up a bunch of details without necessarily having to like paint them individually. Yeah, it was the so. first original cheat that GW brought for everyone. <laughs> it kind of is cheating but you know like with a lot of like crafty kind of stuff like you know that's just kind of like part of the technique you know it's knowing like what do you have to like do the hard way and what can you kind of like what what stuff can you get like in a in a cheap or an easy fashion mm -hmm. you know, yeah, the, uh, the method of painting where you base coat wash and then highlight isn't necessarily the best method and it's not necessarily the quickest method but it is really easy for people to do once you learn. <laughs> that, that's basically so, me. That's basically me. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of like, value in it. <laughs> yeah, like it's if you're. It also depends on like what your goals are, right? You know, like and you mentioned that uh, before. Like, what are you really trying to achieve? Like, mm -hmm. are you? Because you know, some people find a lot of like peace and enjoyment out of painting. Like, painting is their main hobby. Uh, some people want to have like a character that looks really cool. Uh, some people just wanted their army to be like look fine, so they can like take it to the store and play games, right? Yeah. Um, so understanding like what your goals are and what you kind of want out of it, um, and you know, like I have uh, a mantra that I, I keep repeating, uh, especially online, which is that if you have two armies that are painted okay, and you put them on terrain that looks okay, your game will end up looking pretty great. Um, <laughs> You know, because when you're, especially if you're playing a war game, I suppose, an RPG, where you're only looking at a couple of characters. But if you're looking at, you know, like uh, you pull out your 100 dudes and four tanks and you set them up on the other side of the table, I, what I'm going to see is like the mass effect of, you know, 100 dudes, all of which are painted okay. Um, you know, even if you didn't paint the bootlaces or whatever. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> None of us painted our armies very well back in the 90s and early 2000s. <laughs> but when you get everything painted, it's just so spectacular, even if it wasn't done very well. Yeah, like there is it's a sort of, there is kind of like a, a, a cumulative effect. And you can always go back, right? Like you can go back and like fix up. How often do you do that? You know, if you've learned a new technique, do you go back to like old figures? Or do you just let them like be, be the past and assign a progress? Well, unfortunately, most of my old miniatures were damaged or like uh, physically damaged or the paint chipped because I never, ah. I never knew the value of varnish and metal miniatures in the old mm -hmm. days. Most of them I didn't survive. I got a few that I'll probably touch up, but most of them I just stripped because they were damaged enough or what didn't feel worthwhile to uh, repaint. Right. Especially since I'm, I know so much more now than I did over <laughs> 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So do you feel like the kind of the, the knowledge base that, that is there now for miniature painters, like has that kind of developed 
organically through the community, kind of learning stuff and sharing information? Or have then have there been like professionals or other people that have come in and been like, okay, if you're serious about this, this is really sh how you should handle the paints and like the, the figures and stuff like that. Yeah, it's definitely a little A, a little B. I think it was more common to have like painting paid for videos in the early days of the internet, but right. the market's become saturated with people on YouTube who will willingly teach you for free or people who want to start up painting communities just to share knowledge on new techniques. So there's, there's people who are award-winning painters who dedicate themselves just to teach new new painters how to paint. That's all they want. They just want to share the knowledge. They're not That's trying to cool. win awards anymore. They just want people to enjoy painting those like they do. Mm. Totally. That, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. um, again, there's like a little bit of analogy, I think, to like, uh, especially like uh, guitar players online. That seems to be like a whole thing, you know? Well, um, I think people want their form to flourish. Because I mean, mm -hmm. over the, I mean, there have been like big mainstream news articles written about like rock is dead and guitars of form is, is dying. So like I've I've talked to people about like ah like what what do we do? How do we get more uh, people? <laughs> right. Like, so you got to go out and like yeah, show people like oh you you can do this and it's not that hard. Like here's you know just being nice, being nice and open open about things and not presenting kind of arrogance and right attitude i guess <laughs> all sorts of people out there that's for sure when it comes to painting some are mm -hmm. definitely make it a cult of you know the best you can be this is the way right. you gotta do sort of thing mm -hmm. and others are you know a little more free form but that's probably also where you have to like kind of understand in advance like what you're really trying to like like what do you want your endpoint to be and then kind of seek out that uh you know, because if you if you just want to like, you know, have a beer and paint some dudes and have them look okay, um, maybe there are certain YouTube painters that you should seek out and not others, right? I'd say so for sure. You know, versus um, <laughs> uh, versus you know, like uh, some communities will be, give like really brutal feedback on like small like mess ups and technique because those are people who like want very aggressively to improve and so on. Like, just kind of depends on like where you I think where you want to end up and you know and maybe where you want to end up is not actually what you thought you know yeah. you might you might realize that oh shit this is actually like really fun i want to like get really good at it or you might realize that i want to get really good at it but like my hands are shit <laughs> yeah well i mean yeah. how often have you run into the more aggressive competitive uh, communities dave not me personally i don't engage in those kind of things um i listen to a lot of different people some people are more intense about it than others for sure some people you know the painting is the game sort of thing they like playing the game too but what they really want they're chasing the the golden demon or the crystal sure. so <laughs> sure i've heard from a lot of people that i know who uh, does painting videos online that they'll get like kind of shitty comments and stuff you know from people who are like who are watching or like criticizing them for like small mistakes or even just for like using one technique and not the other do you ever get any of that no people don't really comment on my videos <laughs> the biggest thing the weirdest comments honestly are like if i wear a tank top there'll be like people that say put on a shirt that's, that's usually <laughs> the kind of comments i get i'm like i'm wearing a shirt hot out thank you right <laughs> that, that's fair I need my painting muscles to flex come on <laughs> That's right. <laughs> or man, damn it! This is this is war. 
military, you know? My war face. That's right. I would 100% like wear two tank tops next time if that was the case. <laughs> like one over the other. Do do like the uh, bra strap showing uh, kind of look, but with the tank top. <laughs> so what you got you into uh, setting up a YouTube channel? For, for I did a lot of acting when I was young. Because I would see people on stage, and I just naturally wanted to try to do that as well. I wanted to see myself up there. Nice. Mm. So as I was watching painting videos and YouTubers, I just also got the urge to jump on and try my hand at it. And my goal was to try to teach people useful things that weren't necessarily out there. Nice. So, so provide something that was a little different to uh, what was kind of there at the time. Yeah, like if... I did an unboxing video. I tried to find something that hasn't been unboxed before. If I was going to mm. do a painting video. I tried to do something, a painting technique that hadn't been done before. But I also had to practice making videos. So I would also make videos that people have done a thousand times. Right, right, right. So how much uh, do you like look at other uh, paint YouTubers like for for inspiration or technique versus just watching like for fun? Like, do you watch others for uh, techniques or how do you like come, how do you get new techniques? Like, how do you, uh... Yeah, I definitely like to see what people do. I like to compare, like, I've been looking up Luna Wolves. So I'm seeing how people have painted Luna Wolves. Some mm -hmm. people add kind of a greenish tinge to the white. Some people go more pure white. I like to look at what other people have done and evaluate it and see what would I like my miniatures to look like. Mm -hmm. So I definitely gain inspiration from other painters. Nice. Do you want to give a couple of shout outs to, uh, to other YouTubers that are worth checking out? I'd say for anyone experienced or inexperienced, Chris Ballot is a wonderful treasure. <laughs> he is an award-winning painter, super friendly guy, and he will he'll respond to any comments, basically. He'll help anyone with any technique. Cool. That's really cool. He uh, does a lot of live streams, too, so you can just jump on and ask some questions. He's also really funny. So if you want to have a good laugh... And, uh, definitely check out Chris Below. Tabletop Minions, Uncle Adam. It's very good. He's very hobby hero orientated, so he's all about uplifting people into the hobby. Nice. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't do a lot of painting videos. He more just talks about the hobby, but all the painting videos he has done are very beginner friendly, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Like he has a video to show people how to paint the uh, Stormtroopers in Star Wars Legion very, very quickly. Very effective video. Um, nice. So two I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, I think two is fine. Yeah. I mean, if you go to Chris Bello, you can basically learn anything. So there's a lot of good people out there, but he is so beginner friendly. One stop shop. One thing yeah. I like about uh, your streams is that you do a lot of like assembling, so you really get to see like almost like from square one, like the kid is coming out of the box, you know? Yeah, that was one of those things that I saw on YouTube that I thought needed a little more uh, representation. Like unboxing videos sometimes are people, they unbox it, they, they show you the sprue, and if you're lucky, you get to see an assembled miniature. Hmm. I like to show how the miniatures actually go together, you know, if I fumble around, if I drop things. <laughs> you can't hear me swearing, but you can assume that it definitely happened sort of thing. Right. <laughs> As somebody who is, like, phenomenally bad at assembling stuff, uh, I appreciate that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, I hate it and always have a really hard time with it, so <laughs> actually seeing it done... Um, Definitely helps a lot. Um, I think it's also like 
being able to see stuff on YouTube now um, is such a big part in like demystifying the process too. I think uh, it's like when you know, like I started doing miniature stuff around pretty close to the same time you did. I think like maybe two years, a couple of years before, but not by much. Uh, and you know, most of the time, if you wanted like advice, you could get like a pamphlet that came with like the game or something. If you're lucky, like your gaming store in town would have like, you know, they would have like a little class or something. But most of the time you were left with like, you know, like these printed like uh, painting guides. They would have like, you know, pictures of each step of the process. And then it would tell you, like, it took years before I knew what on earth a dry brush was supposed to be. Like, it was because it didn't seem to make sense. You know, it's like put paint on your brush and then wipe it back off. Like, okay. <laughs> the were in another book. <laughs> I never knew what dry brushing either was, was either. <laughs> you know, so yeah, like being able to just like go online and like see it done live and in real time is like an amazing, you know. Yeah, there was uh, there's one guy that I'm uh, friends with online named Warboss Tay. And he was one of the first people to do YouTube. He said, you know, when he came on, there's almost nobody. And that's why he started doing it. He just wanted to show people, you know, mm -hmm. his copy. He wanted to learn from other folks. And then, yeah, now it's just exploded. Yeah, it's like a whole... And now you have, you know, like whole, like, communities that, like, follow specific painters or, you know. You can start a Patreon and make money just by making videos. No problem. Yeah, it's totally right. a thing. So it was one of those, I think... Uh, Dave, uh, was it when we were talking about board games? We were kind of musing on like how how cool like hobby stuff is today compared to like when we all started out, right? Just from like you know both availability of stuff. You know, like um, when I started painting, uh, there was one brand of paint you could buy in the store, which is Citadel. Um, and it wasn't because there weren't other paints on the market. I'm sure there were, but it didn't matter because the only store I could go to, they only had one brand. Um, so if you wanted to paint, you bought those and, you know, and that's not like, you know, now you can just go on, you go to your hobby store, you can go online and just order something from like the other side of the world and have it delivered to you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so yeah, it's really, is kind of like a golden age for like, uh, for gaming and hobby stuff. There's more like variety of stuff, more things you can get and more information to get than uh, kind of ever before. Right. So, Dave, what do you think about, like, the detail? I mean, based off that, like, the, the detail in the manufacturing of the models themselves. I mean, I think back in the day when Warhammer uh, first came out, like, one of the things that set them above everyone else was the, the level of detail in, like, all their different figures and giant monsters and vehicles. So I was wondering what you thought about, or do you agree that, like overall the level of detail in like wargaming models has gone up or do you think that's kind of bunk <laughs> no it's definitely true it's gone up pretty much like across the board mm. if you look at older plastic kits from even the like the late 2000s early 2010s the level of detail from non-gw manufacturers is far lower than it is now gw usually still packs in the most detail but other plastic manufacturers are definitely catching up. I think metal was always pretty good, though. Like, aside from, like, the old, really old 70s, maybe some of the 80s metal sculpts, usually could get a pretty good level of detail from the miniatures. It's just that usually if you see miniatures painted in those times, it was also painted with those techniques. Mm. So you might get a miniature that was painted with an enamel. And right. it's clogged with detail. It doesn't have much depth. You could just say, that's not a very good-looking <laughs> miniature. But you strip that sucker down and you repaint it, it'll be beautiful. Mm. That's cool. Yeah, I think that's uh, one thing I, I remember. Even with like the the metal mini minis, 
you know, they, they had that really heavy paint and it was all kind of blurred together. Yeah, they become like little blob monsters. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the very first uh, miniatures I ever painted were done with enamel uh, paints. And, uh, that paint never came off. Uh, I remember very meticulously trying to paint my uh, orcs for Blood Bowl. And they were just, it became like this, like, a, they pretty much only had like three colors in each. Like, the skin was green, then like red for the uniform and black for their boots and helmet. That was it. Uh, <laughs> But that paint never came off. Like, that team, like, rattled around in the box without any protection. They went, like, in my backpack at school because, you know, we would go to somebody's house afterwards to play. And they were just rattling around. They were never, like, packaging anything. And that paint just never, like, chipped or scraped or anything. It was just, like, this armored layer on top of the figures. <laughs> it, it was pretty brutal. Um, but not really, like, recommended because they looked like garbage, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it was hard to beat the uh you didn't need to varnish those you could have like uh, taken a knife to them they would probably still still look pretty good somewhere out there there's got to be a youtube where they just paint with enamels on miniatures to make it look good there's got to uh, be something like that. i haven't seen it but i bet it exists oh yeah i'm sure um even like a lot of the like uh, airplane model guys i think have given up on those like i think most of those use acrylics now really because, yeah, oh, back well. in the day, wasn't the models were mainly uh, painted with enamels, weren't they? Yeah, like, I remember um, all the, like, uh, airplane model shops. They always had those. Uh, right. You know, uh, and there was the ones you need, like, turpentine to, like, clean your brushes and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think nowadays, uh, when I think of, because the hobby shop we have here is mostly, like, their primary stuff is, like, uh, model railroads and, like, airplanes. And they mostly stuck like Vallejo and like Citadel and Army Painter, I think, which are all acrylic brands. I don't even know if they do stock enamel paints at all. So I think most of the modelers have uh, have switched too. Hmm. Oils are a big thing these days now too. Mm. Do you uh, dabble in oils at all? I've gone as far as an oil wash, and I don't have like only have regular mineral spirit, which are they, they stink. <laughs> I walk with them, look great, but they, they smell like mineral too, so. do, do they keep smelling like over time? <laughs> yeah, it's been a while now. I think it's I think I did them in March, and if I open up the container, it still smells exactly like mineral. Oh wow. <laughs> I always start getting like concerned. Like I'm I'm kinda dumb to begin with. I don't wanna <laughs> I wanna hasten the process. <laughs> so what do you think that the benefits or the difference differences are between like oils and acrylics with what i understand like if you're painting a miniature with oils you get a lot more working time to blend things together ah and the paints themselves blend together a little ni more nicely a little more smoothly there's a gentleman named james wapel who's really big into oil paints he does a lot of live streams as well always very interesting to watch his um his take on oils for sure Hmm. So it's basically a you, so definitely like more like an advanced technique than almost like. I wouldn't say it's an advanced technique. You could start with oil, I'm pretty sure, and paint just fine. It's just hmm. it is something that's alien to people who paint with acrylic all the time. Right, right. Because that like long term like blending is just not something you can do at all. Yeah, and you also you know once you paint your miniature, you got to just leave it somewhere. Hmm. Sure. You can't. You can't speed paint your army to take it to a tournament the next day with oils. You got to plan that out weeks in advance. 
it's more of a modest speed paint if you're talking about weeks. Yeah, yeah, it won't take very long to paint them. It's just the drying time. It takes yeah. Time. Uh, speaking of speed painting, because I think everyone who I used to play way back, uh, I used to go to a lot of tournaments for 40k, and everyone had that experience of like it's the night before, and you got like the one extra unit you needed, and you just grinding through to try and get them painted up so they'll be like okay for the next day. Uh, do you have any stories of like having to like speed paint uh, stuff to get it ready for like a game or something, or for you know for whatever? I never had to speed paint for tournaments because where I lived, it wasn't really enforced that you had to have a painted army. If you did have a painted army, you could win a prize, but uh, you could still play at, the game if you didn't at have the one. Time, uh, they were actually scoring for painting, so not only did you have to have it painted, but like it would affect your uh, tournament score. But I think wow. they stopped doing that eventually. It was a part of this whole idea where it's, like your score in the tournament was supposed to be this like all-encompassing like hobby ability. So it was like how well you did in your games, the composition of your army, like if it reflected the background and if it was like a bunch of bullshit or not, and then like how well it was painted. So it was, uh, it was at the time like people complained about it, uh, but then like when they stopped doing it, like all the armies looked worse. So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, sometimes though, if I'm going to play a game with a friend, I want to play with painted miniatures, so I might do a technique which will get a decent-looking miniature on the table really quickly. It's called, I think it's called sketch priming, where you'll take a dark prime color, and you will dry brush a lighter color over top. Like, in this case, I did black with a flesh tone. Mm -hmm. And then you take contrast paints, and you just slap them around. To, uh, the appropriate places. So you need a red in a certain spot, you put the red there. And the contrast between the dark and the lighter flesh tone gives you instant detail, <laughs> even aside from a regular contrast. So wow. it's a, a very easy, quick way to speed paint something if you need to. Nice. And it gives you kind of like a grim comic book effect, but <laughs> it isn't necessarily yeah. an award-winning paint job, but it is a fun paint job. Yeah, and the, again, if you're looking at them like from across the table, I'm sure... Um, a few years ago, everyone was talking about this process they called the dip, which was <laughs> using some sort of like shoe polish or a floor polish or something. You so like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you ever do that? Yeah. You just dunk your miniatures into it. I, yeah, we painted up some zombies and then dunked them in. They look great. Oh, okay. I was always like terrified to try it because yeah. I figured like, oh, it would either uh, get messed up or I would like lose the miniature and have to like fish it out or like uh, <laughs> a giant tub of that stuff. I didn't end up uh, dunking it in. I did paint it on. Oh, so you okay. get more control that way. But yeah, it's still very quick. I do yeah, a screen as well, usually, because Minwax has kind of like an armor coating to it. So if you base coat some terrain, give it a little dry brush, and then add the Minwax, you get you know the, all the depth that you would normally get out of a wash and a protective coating, which means nice. your terrain is almost bumper. Pretty handy. Nice. So yeah, there's quite a few ways you can uh, quote cheat. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> to uh, to get a result out of it, um, I feel like somebody should make a a uh, like a, a book with like uh, way, ways to uh, to get an army painted quickly uh, for people who uh, don't want to paint an army. There is a gentleman named Dave Taylor. He used Another to work Dave. for Games Workshop Australia. I think he worked in America for a while too, but he, he made a book called, oh, what's it called? Something Armies and Hordes. Regiments, Armies and Hordes, something like that. But it's 
basically his techniques of speed painting armies because he's he's renowned for speed painting up really good looking armies nice, nice. and uh yeah so there's at least one book out there that tells you you know like the process of how you want to start your army and the best way to achieve your results so you got one guy up mr dave Taylor. All right. so like uh like how long how much do you actually take time to like practice specific brush techniques or, or uh, like painting certain components, like smaller details or like, how would you say, what would be like an efficient or effective way for someone to develop like the finer detail kind of techniques of, of painting? Some people say you should say like buy a bag of army men, mm -hmm. like green plastic army men practice your priming on them, then practice your painting on them. But, you know, if it's not something that really interests you, that's really boring. Like, if you don't right. want to sit around painting green army men for no reason at all, then perhaps the best way to do it is just simply take something you're actually interested in and just start practicing. That's true. So, right. you know, make a plan. Decide what you want to do. Watch some videos. Say, okay, I'm going to try this, this, and this. And when I reach that last goal, I am done. I put that miniature away. Hmm. And I move on to the next one. And then after you start gaining confidence, you can come back to your first miniatures and look at it and see if what can I improve or should I just strip it and start again? Or do I want to leave this as a reminder of how far I've come? <laughs> it also helps, I think, to have a couple of spare dudes. Um, you know, if you need 10 for your army, uh, but you have, you know, it doesn't hurt to have a couple of extra if you want to practice a little bit on them. That's for sure. Or, uh, yeah, used markets, if you have a local used market or somewhere you can buy cheaply off of, like, yeah, eBay. Or even eBay off, uh, yeah, like eBay, you can often find lots of, uh, you know, random stuff somebody's offloading. Sure. Uh, and, you know, it might be, like, various states of repair, but if you just got, like, practicing, that doesn't really matter. Uh, although you may have to employ some of the uh, the paint stripping techniques that uh, you mentioned. Have you ever <laughs> gotten, like, used stuff of eBay that just couldn't be stripped? Like, it was just... No hope. Yeah. Yeah, these uh, Moria goblins. Oh, uh, yeah. Sure. Something red. That just, I can't strip it with anything. I think acetone would do it. But GW plastic just melts under acetone. So. Right. Yeah. So the only <laughs> thing that was going to help, uh, they ended up looking pretty good anyway, but you could definitely see they look kind of like a little melted almost yeah. just because of the like layers of stuff that was on there. Yeah, it's true. The layer and the low detail to begin with. So it's, mm. Yeah, I mean, they're really old plastic, so you, oh, yeah. you kind of get that effect as well, you know? When people talk about high-detail GW, they're not talking about these ones. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, do you have any, uh, I guess, like, closing, you know, if you had to pick out, like, uh, I don't know, like, three, like, the three base pieces of advice to give to people who are starting out, you know? To kind of as a takeaway, to kind of wrap things uh, wrap things around. Okay, I'd say make a wet palette, buy a miniature that has a paint set with it, and then watch some YouTube videos. All right. So, and uh, you could probably watch a YouTube video telling you how to make the uh, the wet palette. That's right. You can find it many places, even my channel. <laughs> so do you have anything interesting or of note uh, planned for your youtube channel or give you a bit of time to promote here 
No super big plans. It's been kind of uh, lagging behind dealing with stuff in real life, but uh, sure. How how uh, long do you like plan videos ahead? Is it like super spontaneous, or do you have like a a schedule? Like on November tenth, I'm painting. You know these days. <laughs> oh no, no! I I just think about a video I want to make, and then maybe I'll eventually make it or not. <laughs> that, that's a level of organization we're aspiring to yep exactly sometimes I just uh, an idea pops in my head and I just uh, slap on because I always have my camera right in front of me mm. it's always there if I ever need it so I can make a video anytime I want as long as I'm at my hobby desk oh okay that helps. And, you, and you have your hobby tank top on yeah exactly as long as I'm wearing a shirt I'm good to go <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily your viewers will, uh, will point it out yeah that's right <laughs> you, got, you got an audience that cares about you. <laughs> I'd say overall, there's no wrong path into getting into painting. You know, use what opportunities you have and follow your interests. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good uh, point, actually. Like, you'll be happier and I think make more progress if you're painting something, even if you're painting it poorly to begin with, but you're painting something that you're interested in as opposed to, you know, something that you don't really care about. No, like, yeah. don't be afraid to go out and, and like um, Canadian Dave said, um, there are so many people who are like eager to share their techniques and eager to tell and show. Uh, so take advantage of that. Like nobody has to go. You don't. You know. You don't get a, an extra cookie for uh, for doing it on your own. Right. It's right. not just being a magazine anymore. There's people out there. Yeah. Right. You know. You don't have to like try to decipher from a black and white magazine article what these colors are supposed to look like. <laughs> so and uh more importantly um you know if you get help from your friends you don't have to paint any steampunk miniatures either so <laughs> but of course you want to paint steampunk miniatures oh, right 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 but don't get, yeah that's you, you can use <laughs> <laughs> keep, keep the monocles over there we're good thank you we're good we're good yeah there, there are no there are no painting guides for monocles Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with that, I think we are uh, rounding out for the evening. Uh, thank you so much for joining us and uh, sharing a little bit. Uh, unfortunately, we're doing this uh, without videos. So we don't know if you're wearing a shirt, uh, but we are choosing to believe that that was the case. Well, see, I mean, that's kind of how we roll here. Like, I don't want to know. Ivan doesn't want to know. It's... <laughs> That is fair. The world is better when we uh, when we lie to each other a little bit. Right, right, right. <laughs> that, that is the glue of civilization. Uh, so Bad. in your head, we are all a well dressed and well groomed uh, gentleman of of considerable uh, delicacy and other good words and fit, very fit, very fit, like ripped. Really, like the reason we have a hard time wearing shirts is our massive fucking muscles. <laughs> You know, I'm wearing a to... top hat and three monocles to be totally honest with you. It's a tel telescopic monocle. You can zoom in. <laughs> <laughs> with that, I hope everyone has a, uh, a safe summer and we will uh, talk to you all later. Yep. Thanks again, Dave. Hey, thanks for having me.